Welcome to Christmas Eve at Purpose Church. We are so glad that you are tuning in from wherever you're watching from. And today I want to talk about God's purpose for Christmas. But before we go there, I want to have a little fun. We're going to play a game called Love It or Hate It. There's a lot in the Christmas season to love and maybe some things that you don't love. And so what I'm going to ask you to do as a family or whoever you're watching with or even by yourself to go ahead and stand up wherever you are and to pick a side of the room based on whether you love the thing that comes up on the screen or you hate what I'm about to talk about. So first thing we are going to look at together is do you love it or do you hate it? it, Christmas music in November. So go to this side of the room if you love it, that side of the room if you hate it. The reality is at the Holmstrom family, we love Christmas music. I mean, we are listening to Christmas music honestly in October to get ready for it. I know for some of you that is like offensive, that is a criminal offense, and I'm sorry for that, but we love Christmas music. What what about this one? Black Friday shopping. Now, some of you, you know, pre-COVID, you're getting up, you're missing Thanksgiving dinner, you're living in a tent out in front of Walmart for like a week before just to get that PS5 or whatever it is that you wanted. This is crazy to me, but for some of you, you're really into the Black Friday shopping. Do you love it or do you hate it? What about this one? What about this one? Eggnog. I'm telling you, they do not make eggnog quantities big enough for me. I am a huge fan of eggnog. A lot of people in my family don't love it. How about you? Do you love eggnog or do you hate it? What about this one? Artificial trees. Now you thought politics would divide your family. I'm telling you, artificial trees or real trees, that will divide your family. Are you a family that has one or doesn't have one? Do you love it or do you hate it? What about this one? ugly Christmas sweaters. Maybe you have a cousin or an uncle that just lives to wear that ugly Christmas sweater to every single party you're about to have and and you don't love it. Or maybe like I'm kind of this person, maybe you're that person in the family. Do you love it or do you hate it? Well, what about this one? Warm weather on Christmas morning. If you're tuning in from Southern California, this is like our reality. In fact, a lot of Christmas mornings, I would either be at the skate park skating or I'd be at the beach surfing. So I'm a huge fan of warm weather on Christmas morning. Or what about this one? Matching family pajamas. Some of you are just like, that's gross. You hate it. Maybe some of you love it. Well, in the Holmstrom home, sometimes we've done it, sometimes we haven't. Our very first installment at kind of quasi matching family pajamas happened at Charlie's very first Christmas with us. He's our oldest son, Charlie. At our very first Christmas, this was us in matching feety footy Christmas pajamas. Now, I recognize that some of you are being traumatized right now. You're seeing one of your pastors in footy pajamas pajamas and it's like rocking. I I get that, but this was us and we are all about the footy pajamas actually even in, in this season. Well, there is a lot to love and to hate about the Christmas season. One of the things I actually hate about the Christmas season is Christmas decorating. For my wife, Sarah, it's like a religious holiday. We put it on the calendar for the day after Thanksgiving. This year, we actually did it the day before Thanksgiving and I loathe it. I'm not a big fan of it and I really realized why. It's because like for the last 
six years or so since we've been living in the house that we're in, my wife has asked me, has begged me to put Christmas lights up on the second story of our house. And every year I come up with an excuse for why not to. And the reality is I'm just terrified. I'm scared of heights. I'm so worried about that. So I come up with an excuse why not to. Well, this Christmas, I made the decision we are putting up lights on the second story. Like I'm gonna finally man up and do it. So I go to Target and I buy the extra strand of lights. I get an extension cord. I get a ladder from one of our neighbors. I put it up against the house. And for 10 minutes, I'm standing there literally looking at the ladder, trying to like muster up the courage, trying to psych myself up to go up this ladder. And I got Charlie there with me. He's just watching his dad go through this mental process. And finally I go, I can't do it. I can't do it. One of my other neighbors, David, comes by and says, hey, I'll hold the ladder while you do it. So he's like my emotional support, right? So he holds the ladder. I climb halfway up. And then I look down at him and I go, David, I'm not this guy. Like, I am not this guy. I'm not putting the lights up this year. It's not happening. So I climb down the ladder. And then no joke, one of our newest neighbors up the street is this guy named Ocho. And Ocho is awesome. He is brave. He is courageous. Ocho comes walking down the street and he goes, Eric, I'm going to help you put those lights up. He grabs the ladder, puts it against the house, climbs up the ladder. And within five minutes, he has strung the whole second story of lights. I mean, he's leaning over the ladder about to fall and he doesn't care. He is stringing the lights. It got so awesome that my kids ended up coming outside to watch him. And they literally started chanting, Ocho, Ocho, Ocho. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. So Ocho comes, uh, he fixes up the lights for us, and it was incredible. The reality is that very first Christmas, there were no lights. There were no decorations. There was no eggnog, but there was something incredibly special. God's purpose for Christmas began. And we're going to talk about the story of Christmas from the gospel of Luke. And Luke spends 87 verses leading up to this one sentence. Mary gave birth to Jesus. And the reason he took so long leading up to it is because Luke is a historian. He's a doctor. He's a researcher. And as Pastor Glenn talked about a few, a few weeks ago, there's at least seven recorded events in the Bible where somebody tried to cancel Christmas. Somebody tried to cancel the Messiah coming. And the last installment of that was King Herod. And yet against all odds, Jesus was born. But what happened after Jesus was born was almost just as miraculous It was as if God sent out a global notification to the whole world that Christmas is his way of saying, Jesus is for everyone everywhere. So what I want to talk about is four reasons, four things that God wants you to know this Christmas. The first thing God wants you to know this Christmas is this. Jesus is closer than you think. In Luke chapter 2 verse 8 it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. Jesus was not born in the Ritz-Carlton. He was not born in a presidential suite. He was not born in a children's hospital. He was born in a small Bethlehem home in the living room multi-purpose area, not in a private room. He was born where animals came in for shelter, where everyone could have seen it happening. And the very first place Jesus laid his head was in the feeding trough for the animals. And yet the next 
pivot in the scene that Luke draws our attention to is these shepherds. The shepherds were nearby. Now, in the time of King David in the Old Testament, shepherds were revered and respected and admired. But during the time of Jesus, shepherds had a rather bad reputation. In fact, one of my favorite commentaries says this about shepherds. Shepherds were despised by the good, respectable people of that day. According to the Mishnah, which are recorded Jewish oral traditions, shepherds were under a ban. They were regarded as thieves. The only people lower than shepherds at that particular time in Jewish history were lepers. You see, it wasn't good at this time to be a shepherd. And yet notice, notice that God intentionally chose to bring his son into the world nearby shepherds. In other words, the shepherds were not on a mission to be near God, but God was on a mission to be near the shepherds. Maybe, maybe you have a bad reputation right now. Maybe 2020 has brought out the worst in you. Maybe you have a criminal record. Maybe you have some bad habits. Maybe you have an addiction. Or maybe you're just convinced that God doesn't want to be anywhere near you. Well, friends, let me encourage you with this. Jesus's proximity to the shepherds says everything about his desired proximity to you. Jesus wants you to know that he is close to you. And after all, one of the names Jesus goes by is friend of sinners. The second thing that God wants you to know this Christmas is that Jesus is spiritually notifying you. Look at what it says in Luke chapter two, verse nine. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. God used the angels to notify these shepherds that he was doing something spectacular. I want to ask you a question. What is God using in 2020 to notify you that he wants to do something spectacular? What is he using in 2020 to get your attention and to tell you that he wants a deeper, better relationship with you? I imagine this month you've received some packages to your home, maybe from Amazon or UPS or one of your favorite stores. And you probably know that once you order them online, they'll eventually get to your house, but you can opt in to get notifications about where that package is, every stop it makes, and when it will arrive at your home. You have the option to be more acquainted with what that package is doing and when it will arrive to you. Let me ask you this question. Are your spiritual notifications turned on? Have you decided that this year you are willing to ask the questions that you usually ignore? Are you willing to engage in faith conversations that you've said before you just don't have time for? Is it an accident that your friends have been inviting you to watch this right now? Is it, a, is it just chance that you have a, an unusual curiosity about faith and your purpose in life? Is it possible that that tragedy or that blessing, that new relationship or that coworker has come into your life and maybe, just maybe, God wants to use all of that to notify you that he is close to you and that he loves you. I think Pastor Glenn is gonna help us turn on our spiritual notifications next Sunday on December 27th. Pastor Glenn is gonna be preaching a message called Why God Called You to Live in California. 
Maybe you've come up with a lot of reasons why living elsewhere would be better for you and maybe something that you would prefer. Well, we want to encourage you and Pastor Glenn is going to encourage us to think about why God has called us to live in California. And then after that, beginning in January, we're launching a brand new series called Ask Because Your Questions Matter. Maybe faith this year in 2020 has caused you to want to ask a few more questions, explore what it means to follow Jesus. We want to help you in that process. So any questions you have, you can go to purposechurch.com. You can fill out an anonymous survey where you let us know what your questions are, and we hope to address them in this upcoming series. Well, the third thing that God wants you to know this Christmas is that Jesus is for you, not against you. In Luke chapter two, verse 10, the story continues, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus is for you, not against you. This is one of those unexpected, one of those powerful and emotional moments in the Bible where we see crystal clear God's heart for people. The angel says, this Messiah, this savior is for you shepherds, but it's also for everyone everywhere. Maybe it's completely unimaginable that God would want a relationship with you. Maybe you feel right now like your soul is hemorrhaging from all the pain and tragedy and loss and death that this season has brought to you. If you're in that place right now, I need you to lean in with me because I need to share something with you that you need to hear and it's this. There's absolutely no reason God would overlook you. He did precisely the opposite. He came for you. Some of you just believe that God has overlooked you. God does not overlook those that he came to die for. God does not overlook those that he rose from the dead for. God does not overlook anybody because the purpose of Christmas is that everyone everywhere would follow Jesus and that includes you and it includes me. It's why Jesus in Revelation chapter three, verse 20 says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is for you, not against you, but he will not force himself on you. See, following Jesus always requires faith. One of my favorite authors, Philip Yancey, wrote a book called Disappointment with God, which maybe you're right now feeling disappointed with God, and I couldn't encourage this book to you more. But in, in this book, Philip Yancey talks about faith, and one of, his fa- one of my favorite lines about faith is, faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. And so maybe for you, you need to step forward in faith and start reading the Bible and start praying and getting into a life group and doing life with others that are gonna help you follow Christ. Maybe you need to take a step forward in faith and you need to leave behind those addictions, those bad habits, those struggles. I don't know what it is for you, but I imagine you do. You know what taking that step of faith forward will look like for you. And I'm confident that when you do that, you will look in the rear view mirror and be so grateful that you did. And number four, 
God wants you to know this Christmas that Jesus is inviting you to see and share the good news. Check out what happens to the shepherds after experiencing the angels and finding out about Jesus' birth. Check out what they do. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. I mean, that's that's a really cool moment right there, right? They didn't just kind of slowly walk. They didn't take care of some errands. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. See, the shepherds hurried into this new relationship. And I want to encourage you, some of you need to hurry into your relationship with God. Do not waste any more time. Don't say, I'll get around to it after I get this job or after we get our family settled or once I graduate from college and get myself established. Do not wait any longer. Hurry into your relationship with Jesus and then spread the word as the shepherds did. You know, after Ocho hung those lights on the second story and left, our kids continued to talk about him. In fact, they'd run around the house talking about how awesome Ocho is. They talked about how amazing and brave and courageous Ocho is. And you know what none of them are saying? None of them are saying, hey, dad, that was super cool how you sat at the bottom of the ladder for 10 minutes just staring at it. Like none of them thought that was brave and courageous. But what Ocho did was noticeable. What Ocho did was amazing because you see Ocho took personal risk for the benefit of our family. And it's why the irreplaceable element in every great story is personal risk for the benefit of another. And friends on Christmas, there's no greater example than God taking the ultimate risk of all coming for us, dying on a cross, rising from the dead, for our benefit, so that we could be in a relationship with him. If you've never begun following Jesus, Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And you can do that right now, wherever you're tuning in from. You can make the decision. You can say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Lord of the universe. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead and that you've taken my sins And I want to follow you because after all, the purpose of Christmas is everyone everywhere following Jesus.